Hello, this is Deborah Anderson, the Black Woman Animator, coming back to you with another video. And in this video, I have Laren Dijarnet. Welcome. Hey, how's it going there? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am a. Uh, I work in the animation industry, obviously, and I am a uh, uh, pretty much do it all. I do character design. I've direct animation. Uh, did art direction, illustration, uh, pretty much in storyboards. Cool. Uh, so first question, where are you from and how was it growing up? Well, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. And um, yeah, fellow Detroiter there, <laughs> 313 in a house. Uh, I, you know, growing up for me was fun. You know, I had uh, uh, my, my one good thing about growing up is that my, my mother and my dad were artists. So very young when I when I used to draw things like at an early age, like even at like three years old, they would like save my drawings and encourage me to like follow art and things like that. They didn't know if I would necessarily like do it professionally, but I can remember on my fourth birthday, my dad bought me an easel. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't know what an easel was. And uh, you know, at that time I was into like Spider-Mans and action figures and and um he didn't get me like a lot of the toys that I wanted, but he ended up buying me an easel. And my first thing was like, what is this? What is and I opened it up thinking toys and things were gonna be in it, but he kind of explained to me. And I think that was, for some reason, I remember that point, I was four years old. For uh, and He literally explained to me why he got me the easel and said that he, he thought that, you know, he wanted to like get me like real artistic things to work with. Like prior to that, I was drawing with crayons and, you know, lying paper, but he wanted to really say, hey, no, we want to save your drawings. You know, we want to make sure you have like paints and pastels and things like that. So it was, fun, you know, and then as I grew older, you know, my parents, uh, they put me in like, I, I took like youth arts classes and mm -hmm. they really supported me in the drawing aspect. So I, I, I give all my praise and kudos to them. Uh, so can you tell us about the the great historical figure that is kind of interspersed in your childhood? I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? Can you tell us about the great historical figure that is um, that you didn't realize was so great that you lived by when you were younger? Miss Rosa Parks. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah, I lived across the street from Rosa Parks when I was uh, uh, actually that age uh, uh, from 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 like two from age two to the, I think age five or six, Rosa Parks literally lived across the street from me, mm -hmm. and uh, I did obviously I didn't know her as like the Rosa Parks of the history books. But what she used to do is, uh, and and this is actually my first time that I'm really telling like the full story. I kind of hinted on social media that I live across the street, but what she used to do is uh, she would have a whistle and a big bowl of candy. And she will come out like a certain time of the day. I forget, like every time would be the same time of day. And she had one of those uh, big porch porch patios. Like you walk up the steps and there was like this big porch with an awning. Mm -hmm. And she would come outside, she'll have a whistle and a big glass bowl of candy and she will blow the whistle. And she will blow it like a, like a, like a, a gym coach and call all the, literally call all the kids over, over to her porch and will have us all sit down and she pretty much like acted like a teacher. Like mm -hmm. you know, if some kids were talking or playing or wrestling, she'll tell us all to be quiet in a nice way and mm -hmm. have us like say, you know, have us sit there. And I remember she had one of those, um, it was like a, a, a picnic table type chair, like one of those wooden mm -hmm. chairs, wooden night chairs, but wooden like uh, benches mm -hmm. that rock back and forth. 
And I remember all the kids used to like try to fight and fit on there. And just to let you know how small it was, I can remember like about four kids can fit on that thing. Mm -hmm. Once we were settled, she would literally just tell us stories and and really give us like uh, uh, a lack of a term, beatitudes would like say, hey, be nice to each other. Don't Mm -hmm. play in the street. Get a good education. I don't want to see you guys fighting one another. I mean, it was like an everyday thing. And she used almost used the candy as like a way to get us there. Because yeah. after we sat there and heard all of her wisdom, then she would give us candy and tell us, okay, now go back home, you know. And it would be like this this little ritual she would do. And wow. uh, uh, it was just amazing. Like my older sister, I have a sister that's seven years older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, during one time, there was a place, Selma. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was a lady named Rosa Parks. And so my sister's kind of like, this is what I'm a little bit older. She's like, do you know who this is? I said, uh, no, who is that? She's like, that's Miss Parks. I said that this lady is playing Miss Parks. And that's how I found out. <laughs> and my sister explained to me, it's like, no, no, this the lady that lived across the street from us. This is who she is. And this is who what she did. And I, I literally didn't know it until like I turned like six or seven years old. But mm-hmm. It was it was kind of a cool childhood because she was a very nice lady. And again, I'm a lot older, as you, as you can see, and I still have vivid memories mm-hmm. of what she did when I was a little kid. Wow, that's really nice. Yes. <laughs> so um, you did kind of mention like the uh, kind of programs you do, but can you go more into what was your journey in art and animation during your childhood? Yeah, uh, growing up, I, I was mainly into like cartooning and comic books. Those were like the two main things that uh, really interested me. And, you know, I did, I really did. It's like, even though I watched cartoons or read comics, it didn't click early on that I can actually do this for a living. It was just like, well, I like reading Spider-Man and I'm just going to draw Spider-Man or I like looking at Mickey Mouse and I'll draw pictures of Mickey Mouse. And, you know, people started noticing, wow, at a young age, he's able to like really pay attention to details. Um, um a lot of times, uh, again, I grew up pre-internet age, so I didn't have a lot of reference and things to look at. And one of the things that my mom told me uh, when I got older that she really recognized was that I can watch something like I would draw cartoons based on things that I saw on TV. So mm-hmm. if I was watching a Mickey Mouse cartoon. I would draw a picture of Mickey Mouse, but there's no reference material. And she wrecked. She's like, wow, how, how are you able to like really get the detail and draw Mickey Mouse without even having a picture of it? And I just oh I just saw it off TV. And so that's that was like little things like that. And again, mm-hmm. I, I credit my parents, little things like that. They picked up on that and they were like, hey, we got it, we gotta make sure that we cultivate this and like nurture this because mm-hmm. this guy actually has a little bit of talent that that if we do certain things, he can actually, you know, be be pretty good at this thing. Mm-hmm. So so those those little things were great. And then um uh, just uh, as I got older, I still was into comic books and things like that. And um, I started seeing like uh, I grew up in a time where, you know, special effect movies were started off cheesy. But then like when Star Wars and Close Encounters, certain like big major motion pictures with great special effects started coming out. That's when the light bulb really clicked on. And I said, hey, I actually want to do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, um I started to like have it, uh, an interest in like special effect makeup type thing. Cause I would see like creatures and things. And so it was just a bunch of things. It's like, I used to like to draw. Then I started dabbling in sculpting mm-hmm. and I did, I did a bunch of various things. Um, 
And um, I'll skip a lot forward. When I got into high school, I had like, I had art teachers in grade school and high school that really were like my parents. They saw things and they helped me. Mm-hmm. And uh, in high school, um, uh, one of my, one of my, my instructor used to date, uh, uh, I want to say either, either two things, because it's kind of vivid. He, she either used to date Sam Raimi of Evil Dead or one of the main makeup effects artists. And um, she realized, she was like, hey, if you really want to get into this, you know, I could set up a time for you to meet, you know, one of these guys. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. And unfortunately, during that time where the meeting was set up, my father passed away. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so his, his funeral was like on the same day I was supposed to meet with this uh, one of the guys that worked on the first Evil Dead. But mm-hmm. what that person did was they, they loaned me for like a long time. They loaned me like two books. <laughs> and again, this is when I wanted to do makeup effects. They, they loaned me a... Um, it was like a, 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 a pictorial surgery book with a lot of gross, gross stuff. And then they gave, they loaned me a, uh, it was a war book, a war picture book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the person, I, I, you know, for some reason, I want to say it was Sam Raimi, but it, it's either him or like the main, the next guy command. But they wrote a letter saying that, hey, if you really want to do this, you got to make it look real. You can't fake it. And, um, you know, I kept those books for maybe almost like a month or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I dibbled and dabbed a little bit in that, but then later on in college, uh, I started to find out that CGI was starting to take over and the whole practical makeup effects and sculpting wasn't really big. So then I didn't have any knowledge of 3D. So the next thing I did was went back to what I originally liked, which yeah. was 2D animation. So so that's, that's what pushed me more back into 2D animation and things like that. Um, when, at the time I went to college for creative studies and they didn't have an animation program necessarily. We had an animation uh, class that was taught by an instructor named Denise Dawson, but mm-hmm. it was more like an elective. It wasn't like they didn't have a major at the time. So I started studying animation uh, principles on my own. Uh, one of one of the students at, at, at uh, College for Creative Studies had a, uh, an illusion of life book. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, I see that you're really into this. You can borrow this. It's like along on my journey, there were always people who kind of saw me doing things. And they like, you know, I, I think it was just, you know, God helping me. It's just like people would help me without yeah. me listening to it just because they saw, I guess, the passion and the talent. So she loaned me the book and I had that book again. I, I studied that book like it was the Bible and, you know, really practiced my, you know, whatever, whatever techniques they had, I had like another sketchbook and I would just literally either copy what was in the book because mm-hmm. at the time I was like, I can't afford this book. So I was like trying to make my own version of it or just yeah. using, using it as a study. Well, mm-hmm. little to my knowledge, uh, later on, uh, a Disney recruiter came to the college and wanted to see like students post up work and, and just to get an idea at the time uh, that uh, they were looking to find out like certain other colleges to, they were reaching out to other colleges to see if um, they can connect with them and possibly work with the school so that when the students graduated, that, you know, they would be good candidates for Disney to recruit. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the, the recruiter is like, okay, we want all, the, we were in one room and he wanted all the, all the students to put up all the work. And, you know, me and a few other students were, our work literally stood out like a sore thumb because we were literally posting like animation principles and things versus like more illustrative or fine art type things. Even though the other work was good, I know they were looking for like more animation principles. So the recruiter's like, hey, how come you guys 
have this stuff and some of the other students don't have it. And, you know, my explanation was, well, I, I, I studied from the Illusion of Life book and, you mm -hmm. know, practice. And I used to watch movies and just draw little thumbnails, like do my own personal study. And that led that led to my connection with Disney. From mm -hmm. that, I ended up getting two internships uh, at Disney. One and one at, at the time. The first one was in, uh, when Disney, uh, you know, the big hat building that's now. Well, they mm -hmm. were they were actually building that. They were like putting that together. So that building wasn't open yet. And a lot of the animations, uh, part of the animation of Disney, they were at, like all these portables across mm -hmm. uh, uh, Glendale. So we had, I had an intern there. And then that internship led to me having an internship in uh, Disney, Florida. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that, uh, and I, I think this is the second time I ever said this in an interview, because it's kind of personal, but I, I'll say it again. But it's, uh, they actually, actually had a job to offer to work on Milan mm -hmm. when I was in Florida, but so, something similar to the thing with meeting with uh, the guy from Sam Ray. My mother ended up passing away. Wow. Oh, no, no, baby batch. She didn't pass away yet, but she ended up getting real sick. That's okay. what She ended up getting real sick. And, uh, you know, I ended up being her caregiver. So I couldn't move to Florida and take on the Milan job, but I was still always in contact with like yeah. people at Disney and things like that. And um, uh, which led to uh, me actually teaching at College for Creative Studies because of that connection with Disney. Uh, Disney actually didn't connect. With, with the school at the time, but they were connecting with me and this mm -hmm. and College for Creative Studies ended up uh, hiring me to teach a class called two classes, drawing for animation and anatomy for animation. So it was more like, even though the school wasn't necessarily selected by Disney, still we were kind of in there to where some students from C uh, CCS ended up getting jobs at Disney, you know, through learning some of the things I was teaching and then some other teachers started mm -hmm. to like, do their curriculum to to uh, to gear students towards animation, which yeah. was great. And yeah. uh, and from that, and this is, I'm kind of weaving away, but I'm almost done. But from that, a lot of the students, some of my students were getting jobs in mm -hmm. the industry, even though I had my connections, they were making their own personal connections, which in turn, uh, through my connection with them, gave me more connections, and there and everyone's kind of like, you got, you have to move to California, you have to move to California, you can't, because I was freelancing and kind of doing things in Detroit, but everyone's like, man, you will, you will really do well out here. So, um, uh, eventually, my mother ended up passing away, mm -hmm. and when, when she died, that's when I decided it's like, okay, well, you know, that was the reason why I eventually stayed was to care for my mom, but then when after she passed away. Um, literally the year later, I moved out to uh, California and yeah. and uh, 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 when I moved out here, <laughs> it's funny when I moved out here, that was when we had the uh, the animation industry was going through the recession where like all the jobs, the two day animation jobs were kind of like, you know, dying out. Um, but one of the cool things is that I did have some contacts. And uh, while I was in Michigan, I did do like freelance work in, you know, Michigan's sort of the motor city. So. Mm -hmm. A lot of the jobs I worked on were uh, car commercials. So my animation reel, even though I had like some traditional 2D animation, uh, maybe maybe good for like a uh, feature or TV, the bulk of my animation reel at the time was commercials. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, even though the studios 
we're, we're shutting down for or, or, or over or, you know, sending things overseas. Um, a good thing was happening that Klasky Chupo was starting had started their commercial division. And so they were looking for artists and people to work at Klasky uh, Chupo. And so I sent, you know, I sent my reel there and they thought it was pretty good because, again, I had a lot of commercial stuff. So my first job that I got when I uh, when I moved out here was at Klasky uh, Chupo Commercials. Uh, a guy named John Andrews hired yeah. me, Liz Seidman. They were like my supervisors and they're very great people. Um, I always I mention names because through, at least through my journey, even even when I was younger, I always had people that would really like unsolicited, you know, would like just reach out and like kind of help and guide me and like introduce me to people or take me under their wing and show me some things. Because again, I never technically went to school for animation. Everything was, uh, I, I wanted to be, uh, while, while I went to school at CCS, I had a, uh, it was a, for illustration. So okay. I do have strong background for like realistic like illustration things because at that time that's why I thought I would be able to really get a job in it's like the animation business and all this other stuff only certain people get those jobs but if you do but most people get these type of jobs so I never you know that was always like my plan b it's kind of like okay if the animation stuff doesn't work I have at least I have this illustration background but yeah, yeah. Klasky Chupo was the first job and like in how animation works is that when you get in and if you do well and if you make connections, one job always leads to another job, which leads to another job. And so it's kind of like it's always good to network and make connections in the industry because you never know, you mm -hmm. know. And, and I know you've interviewed people. It's like, you know, you can be working with someone who's a PA, you know, and then the next job they can be like, you know, running it. You know, they can be right. it's, it's you can go from being the low person to the top person in a matter of seconds. So it's always good to keep keep great relationships and, and really, you know, work as a team. You know, I never could understand uh, people with egos in the animation industry. You know, you can have it if you're, if it, it's like, you're, I'm a book illustrator and I'm the only person illustrating a book. I have no one to help me. Yeah. But it's like, everyone knows animation is a team effort, team effort, you know, everyone mm -hmm. has a part to play. So it's always good to have a certain, uh, teamwork mentality, you know, of course, be, you know, not, not take abuse from people, but still be professional work and make connections because you never know. You never know, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like with um, young people who are networking, they're always trying to kind of reach the people at the top or something like that. And it's like the people right next to you or even below you could help you in like a matter of a year or so. So. Yeah, you're literally, and, and I'm not exaggerating, you're literally like two people away from whoever, you know, one or two people away from whomever you want to like reach in the animation industry. It's such, it's such a, uh, uh, and, I, and I found that out because, you know, I come, like when I came in, some of the older guys were helping me, but now there's a lot of younger people than me that are in the industry and same thing. It's like, I'll, I'll work with them and then through them, I'll meet someone else. It's like, oh, wow. it's like it's it's literally so connected and everybody mm -hmm. knows everyone. But you're literally like two people away <laughs> from, from knowing or getting a contact to whomever you want to like meet or talk to. Yeah. So um, can you what kind of um, artists were your parents? Well, my dad was a uh, it's funny. My dad drew, but he didn't really pursue like none of them did it professionally. They just mm -hmm. kind of on their own but my dad he he drew um his drawing was i would say like 
from my, you know, professional rating artist perspective, I would say he was kind of like one of those guys that got A's or B's in art school, but like you put that up against someone professionally and then that A, B turns into more like a C. <laughs> but yeah. he, was, he was actually pretty good. He was able to like do certain details. And me growing up, I I was so fascinated that like my dad drew like a human head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like when I was younger, my main drawing was cartoons and superheroes. So they were always like not realistically drawn. But I remember he drew like this head and, and it just it blew me away. It's like, wow, he's such a, such a great head. But but one of the things that he was really good at also uh, is is that he was into audio. Like he had a sound for like music and mm-hmm. he would buy certain things to like make make our uh, like before surround sound was surround sound. We had surround sound. He like <laughs> he literally like made build it and made it and put speakers on the walls and around the room. And that was his his like passion and hobby outside of work. Uh, my mom, she actually, uh, same thing, she drew. And mm-hmm. uh, her thing was she wanted to do fashion design. You know, mm-hmm. she, never, she never pursued it, but she was actually really good. I, You know, her drawings, uh, uh, this, uh, uh, like if you look at or if you remember like how fashion designers always have like this super skinny, tall mm-hmm. figure. It's sort of a stylized way of drawing. She had a lot of drawings like that. Mm-hmm. And she would do things. And uh, <laughs> I can remember early on when I used to draw, like some of the things, like if if I got impatient <laughs> with a drawing and this is like, oh, I just don't want to do it. She would literally like finish it up for me. <laughs> and, or And sometimes it would get to the point where she might think that like I might draw something. And again, I'm, I'm like a little kid. I'm like elementary school age. I would draw something and maybe it's like, I'm not really done with it. It's just, oh, I, I'm going to work on it whenever. And she would mm-hmm. literally, sometimes get it and she'll draw and now I'm like, Mom, why did you draw my drawing? I wanted to do this. And she was like, well, I thought you, I thought I, she's like, I thought you were not going to finish this. And so she would do like things like that. And um, <laughs> um, I, 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 I kind of think that she vicariously lived like her drawing passion through me because it was one of those things where um, uh, I could, I could, it's like at that age, you know, video games, all the things that all of my friends had, my parents would never get me. But if it was like some expensive markers or you know <laughs> uh, something that had to do with art, they will always make a way to do it. I remember like there were these markers that was like they were really good. They were like the first time I ever saw brush markers. They were really good, but they were like real expensive too because they were mm-hmm. they were like uh, Copic markers or Copic, mm-hmm. however you pronounce it. But they were like those, and I remember. When I saw them in my mind, I wanted them, and I was thinking, my my parents are not going to get me this because they cost a lot. Mm-hmm. And so one day, I was in the store, and you know how in the art store they have it where you can just like grab markers and just play around. I started like drawing things with them, and, and, mm-hmm. and in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to convince them to get it to me because I drew something, and I'm going to show my mom, and she's going, I'm going to say, see, see, if I had these markers, I can do more stuff like this. But it was, it, I didn't even have to do that. They they were like. Wow, these are some great markers. And so what we used to do is uh, the art store, we would go like every month or every other week. It was more like for me to get a set each time I would go and I would just she was like, they're like, pick your pick, whatever colors. And, and that's how we got it. You know, even mm-hmm. though they couldn't afford like for me f- afford to buy a huge set, mm-hmm. they like, would just grab like I think it was four markers each time we went. And then if if they had more money, I could get six markers or seven mm-hmm. markers. But it, eventually I was able to make a full set. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those those are like great memories because I, I I can I truly like 
I truly honor and appreciate they saw that because I, 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 I've met people where that's not their case. It's kind of like, you know, people yeah. say they they wanted to do this or be an artist. And at that time, I, I, I didn't really even want to do that. They just cultivated it. But I've met people throughout in the industry who, who, who don't have that story. You know, mm-hmm. they're, hey, our, my parents, man, they wanted me to be this. And they, they I had to rebel. So I, I'm really grateful and appreciate that my parents did that. Because, again, you know, I could have had a different journey and been doing something totally different than what I'm doing now. Yeah. So um, I'm going to list some of the projects that you've worked on. So this part of this part of the video is like um, for people watching to be like, oh, somebody black worked on that. <laughs> and I'll probably give some shout outs because uh, I tell people a lot of a lot of those a lot of jobs that you if you're going to mention are because of great people that mm-hmm. I've met and connected with. So I might do some shout outs as, as well. And there are most likely more stuff that you worked on, but you know, IMDB only puts <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So um, I, I want to start off with the, like the Disney one Saturday morning bumpers, because I remember yeah. <laughs> the, the like jumping one when I would watch TV. I, I saw when I saw that you did that, I was like, I remember that. Yeah, that that was at that was at Klasky Chupo. Uh, that was that was one of the uh, the things that I worked on, and, and it was all traditionally hand drawn animation type mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and I I shout out a couple of names, but another guy who really helped me out was Walter Santushi. Uh, he was another guy that uh, really helped me. You know, saw my art and and pushed for me to like be at the studio as well. Uh, yeah, that that one was part of Klasky Chupo commercials. Uh, 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 the funny thing is, is how that one was drawn. That was totally old school where they had to, um, uh, they, they Xeroxed or printed out the live action of the, of like the kids and everything was kind of like on a pegboard, you know, back in the day in, in the light box and, you know, on the, on the table. And so I had to draw the number one with the printouts of the live action so that everything kind of matched and lined up. And I had a look, what was actually okay, because the one didn't really interact like a, like a Roger Rabbit thing. A lot yeah. of times I think, I think they printed out like every 12 frame. It was like, they didn't have to like do every, every frame because the character didn't touch or interact. But I remember there was like every 12 frame or something. It was like a big frames. And I had like this big stack of live action and I just put it down and, drew my one and make sure the one and everything lined up. And, mm-hmm. and they they did the same thing. You know, it's like they took those, scan them in. During this time, you know, the, the color was done through computer. They would scan it in and computer color it and composite it all mm-hmm. with a lot. Of, yeah, but that was that was that classic Chupo, if I'm pronouncing so, it. Right. Yeah, and um, the Proud Family, uh, Punisher opening title sequence, uh, Fresh Baked Video Games, Lunatics Unleashed, Buddy and Andy Short, um, Monster High, both New Ghoul at school, New Ghoul at school, and Fright On, uh, Leapfrog, The Amazing Alphabet Amusement Park Short, uh, Super F- Best Friends Forever, uh, The Ricky Good Race Show, um, Teen Titans Go, Angry Little Asian Girl, Barbie, uh, B Super Motion Comics, uh, uh, Monsters High, Monster High TV Series, Attention Attention Deficit Theater. Marvel's Avenger Assemble, uh, Black Panther's uh, Quest, Richard Lovely, Avengers Assemble, um, Venom Files, The Secret History of Venom, 
Marvel's Spider-Man, Maximum Venom animated shorts, Central Park, and you're working on the Proud Family reboot. And then you're Garbage Pail Kids artist, you illustrated five, Jeff Foxworthy, New York Times uh, bestselling books. You uh, illustrated a couple Williams Brothers books and some Marvel and DC trading cards, amongst other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, and, and uh, I would say the bulk of that work, I tell you, uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, uh, being lucky. Lucky is being prepared when opportunity knocks. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those jobs was that I was prepared when that opportunity knocked. Um, um, like, you know, I have mentors, like like uh, one of my mentors, uh, you've interviewed him, is Ron Myrick. Mm -hmm. And to make a long story short about Ron Myrick was that I connected with him is because I met his son. <laughs> and I didn't know his son was a, um, you know, I didn't know anything about as far as him being connected with Ron Myrick, but mm -hmm. um, me and his son connected. And one day his son found out that I did art and was like, hey, you know, my dad does art. And he mentioned Ron's uh, real name, Emery, and I, it didn't connect because I knew Ron Myrick, but it was like, Emery, I don't know. And uh, one day he took it to Ron and, and, and that's how I got connected to Ron. Uh, he held on to it until mm -hmm. he was able to find work for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I remember the first time that like, I really met him and it was one of those things like, man, this is God looking out again is that, uh, uh, he said that uh, he this was he was at, uh, at Warner Brothers and he called me in and said, hey, you know, he held on to my portfolio for a while. And he said he didn't want to call me until he had something to offer. And he mm -hmm. said, you know, I'm calling you in to give you an opportunity because I like your work. And my son said you had a good spirit. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things. It's kind of like I never knew that that connection would lead to this. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with the proud family. It's one of those things where you know I was I, one of my friends was friends with Bruce Smith, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and he's like, "Hey, I'm having I'm having lunch with Bruce. You have you want me to show you a portfolio?" And 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 then he's like, "I said yes." Yeah. So I gave my portfolio, and Bruce uh, he hired me to work on the uh, the original proud family, and I did like uh, some character designs. But one of my the main job that I did was uh, they had a, a, a cartoon strip for the Disney Adventures magazine. And put me on that. And, you know, I had what was great about working on that strip was that I was able to draw all the characters in various, you know, situations. And so then <clears throat> when the new Proud Family series was about was happening um, um, again, right place at the right time. Um, I was at a, a black and animated event. And if mm -hmm. people are familiar with black and animated, you guys need to connect. They have, uh, you know, Discord. Uh, they have a Facebook page. Uh, it's black. Yeah, you're always posting in the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's black N with a letter N animated. Mm -hmm. So connect with that group. Um, they had they had a function at Disney, and Bruce was there. And mm -hmm. so I hadn't I hadn't like I talked to I talked to him a little bit on uh, like social media periodically, but I hadn't really connected with them. And um, again, I, I reconnected with him at that event. You know, and at the time I, he knew what was coming through the pipe, but I didn't know what was coming through the pipe. It's kind of like. I've seen you've been posting some art online. I really like it. And that's another thing I said, you know, I was posting a bunch of stuff on Twitter. Don't I didn't I don't really have a lot of Twitter followers and things like that. I didn't have a lot of people liking my stuff, but you never know. You know, he was right. looking well, he saw that I was posting some stuff. Say, like, hey, I really like some of that stuff. I got something coming up. Can I mm -hmm. let me get your info? And later on, you know, I think a couple of months later, that's when I get the 
connect contact that hey you know they're doing the new proud family show um a lot of things like that you know and uh, and i'll mention one other person because I, I need to like let people know you gotta have connections another mm-hmm. person who was really really helpful and i consider my mentor like uh ron myrick it's like my mentor guy uh Obviously, Bruce Smith is is definitely a mentor. I've learned a lot from him, and mm-hmm. uh, Larry Houston. Larry Houston is also, you know, I've I've worked with Larry, and then just Larry has all actually all of them have kept in contact with have have kept in contact with me. But Larry has really like even when we're not working, he sends like emails and things like that. So it's always good to 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 get that connection and inspiration. You know, all all those guys and many others they they inspire me as an artist and. You know, I, I always say it's like a creative energy. It's kind of like mm-hmm. when you're playing as a team, you know, it's kind of like one one team can inspire another person to finish the job. And and that's how I am. It's like if I see this artist doing well, I don't I, my attitude is like I don't get jealous. Like I see people say, oh, man, I'm so jealous of you. You're so good. No, that pumps me up. Right. Kinda, wow. You know, especially when I physically started working in the industry and started seeing wow. This guy drew this from scratch out of his head. It's kind of like it, it, it blew me away, but it was like, oh, it can be done. You know, it's yeah. you know, you always see the finished product, and there's for me, it was a disconnect. It's like, yo, I'm seeing this awesome animation. Mm-hmm. I know awesome people did it, but there's still this disconnect about how they did it and what all went into them doing it. And then when I physically saw, like, wow, this is this guy did it because they they study A, B, C, D, E, or they watch this film, or they yeah. read this book. And, and I started seeing like, oh, okay, well, if I do certain things that they've done, then possibly I can get to that level as well. So mm-hmm. every time I see good art and good artists or, or good movies, comics, whatever, if it's just something that's really good, it, ins- it inspires me to like, up my game up. That's why if you look at my website, there I, I do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you do. It's like, it's kind of like, even though I say, oh, yeah, I wanted to do animation growing up, I still do illustration and, mm-hmm. you know, various styles of animation and illustration just because I love art, you know, and I love good art, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's one of those things where I think we need to encourage each other and, um, you know, tell people, you know, people who want to get in this industry. I tell you, when I first started, even though I did draw like cartoon things when I was young, um, because my college taught me so much about like realistic stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of my drawing was, I had to like retrain myself to like do more cartooning stuff. And so like the first stuff that I had starting out, you would look at him like, man, you, if, if you judged it based on that, you would say, well, this guy would never be able to draw like proud family type characters. Mm-hmm. You, know, those, you know, you need to work more at Marvel and do more of the superhero stuff. But, uh, I just push myself. And a lot of times me pushing myself is looking at other artists. You know, when I'm working on a job and if I'm not directing it and I'm working on other directors and people, it's hard. But I try to do this. I try to get into the mind of whoever's in charge. You know, if there's a a director or a creative director, a creative supervisor, I try to get in their mind. You know, it's like sometimes they might ask me, hey, how would you interpret this? But if that's not the case and I'm following someone else's lead, then I say, OK, well, how would they interpret it? And, and, mm-hmm. and one of the ways that I try to learn is I just watch them. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of nonverbal uh, communication in art that helps me grow as an artist. It's, mm-hmm. You know, that's why I love to like sit and watch 
artists draw, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, that's how they're drawing ahead. That's what that's that's their way because just watching artists draw for me, I can as an artist, I can internalize it and real and and and, and say like, oh, this is why they're making that that shape or drawing it. <clears throat> excuse me, drawing it this way. So mm -hmm. it helps me, you know. It's like all verbal, nonverbal. Um, seeing good art, you know, being around great people uh, in animation, it, it, it all works together to bring forth a, uh, for me to bring, to make me a better artist and hopefully, you know, bring forth great art. Yeah. Like this past school year, I, I taught at a high school and um, when I had a new student, he came like not even halfway, he came a little bit past halfway through the school year. And he, so I taught Blender and I'm uh, I'm like a Maya person. And uh, so I would have to, you know, I'm teaching Blender. I would have to like learn what I'm teaching like the week before. <laughs> and so when he came in, there were some stuff that you can do in Maya that, you know, I couldn't figure out how to do in Blender. So I would ask my student like, um, do you know how to do this? Like I would take him into a breakout room while, mm -hmm. like, while the students were working. Like, do you know how to do this? And he's like, oh yeah, you do this, this, this. I'm like, okay, cool. We're gonna do this tomorrow for the students, so it's not. It's not like even I was because I've heard about people when they were in school, like their teachers were like jealous or kind of treated them away because they knew more. And I'm like, you know more than me. Teach me, and then I don't even have to do it. You do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have to act like I knew how to do it. Okay, he knows how to do this. Show them. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's one of the great the the great thing about art. I think is that it's always evolving, you know. Um, and and I'll use like uh, like a, a company like Industrial Light of Magic for example. When they were working on that early, even now, they, they if you watch featurettes, they kind of say the same thing. But you know, you know, you watch those old uh, uh, featurettes about when they were working on Star Wars or some of those early movies. They were like, we didn't have the computer; we had to make the computer. You know, they were like, oh, we didn't, we didn't, we. This was in the storyboard, but we had no idea how to execute it. So yeah. what you were saying, it's like, no, you had a bunch of creative people come together mm -hmm. and they're like, OK, we got to make this. We got to do this. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it, but all of us creative people with our genius and our art, we're going to come together and we're going to create something. We're going to actually make this thing happen. And Industrial Light and Magic created all type of things that are now commonplace now. Right. You know, like like a lot of things that we as artists see commonplace, even the computer and things like that. That's like, oh, I'll just go get me a, you know, iPad and and get Procreate. Well, someone had to create Procreate. You know, someone had to create Photoshop. Someone had to figure it figure it out so that we can have it work for us. So yeah. I appreciate artists. You know, uh, when I used to teach, uh, some of my students were like, I'm really some of my I'm like. I'm still real cool with them because I told them um, funny thing was I started teaching when I was 25. So a lot of the students thought I was a student, right. <laughs> but, but I used to tell them, I'm like, no, we're, we're all artists. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, I just have this job, but you know what you do and what I do, we're all the same. It's, you know, cause I used to tell them like, I got my first animation job when I was a sophomore mm -hmm. and my instructor at the time, she told me something that I told my students, they were like, She's like, you know, uh, her Denise Dawson. She's like, hey, you're gonna get a call from from a, from a, from an animation. I mean, from a company that's looking for someone to do some animation. Mm -hmm. I I recommended you, 
And you're not going to tell me you're like my student. When they ask you what you do, tell me you're an animator. Mm-hmm. You know, you do animation because that's what you do. You know, even though you're you're in my class and you do animation, you know, outside of my class, you do animation. You know, you're, you're my student, but you're still an animator. So don't tell them that. Just let them know that you do animation. And that's what I told my students. Like, hey, you know, even though you guys are here, you know, what's great about art is that art, the art speaks for itself. You know, right. Uh, sometimes, you know, degrees and, you know, whatever accolades, uh, academic accolades help. But <clears throat> the bottom line is you can have all type of degrees, all type of whatever from an institution. But if your artwork sucks, right. you're only going to get so far. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you can you can be an artist that doesn't have the traditional training. Because uh, like I said, I, I didn't go to animation school. You know, my, my mm-hmm. background, if I had my portfolio, all my portfolio was to to. Uh, if I hadn't did anything outside of the college, mm-hmm. the portfolio was for me to be an illustrator. Right. You know, illustrator portfolio, not an animation portfolio. The animation portfolio came because I did all that stuff outside of school, which, you know, again, I don't know. But I'm thinking if I was disciplined enough, I could have did that stuff without even being in school and possibly still have the same route. So you never mm-hmm. know. You know, nowadays it's it's so much inspiration you can have that I do recommend you going to an, an art institution because there are certain dis like I learned how to be disciplined and professional and you know mm-hmm. know how know how to accept constructive criticism and harsh critique. You know, a lot of times you know egos get in the way, but I think that helps. But mm-hmm. uh, you're disciplined and you can do it. Uh, that's what's great about this industry is that the artwork speaks for you. You know, your portfolio tells how great you are. You know, whatever you say you can do as an artist should be reflected in your portfolio. It's like, I don't have to tell people I can draw this particular drawing or this style. It's like, no, you, you see, I, you, you can say I can draw it because I'm presenting it in the portfolio. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned like the nonverbal cues in art. And, you know, when I worked in South Korea at an animation company and people were like, oh, you you weren't fluent. I was like, nope, I I tried, <laughs> but and they're right. like, how did you work at an animation company? I'm like, it's art. <laughs> like, like if you just learn some colors and make it bigger, <laughs> make it smaller. Like, it wasn't even that hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just was. I don't know. It was art. I mean, I tried to. Like, they spoke broken English. I spoke broken Korean. So we tried to communicate that way. But other than that, I just had okay. This is the 2D version. I need you to make it 3D. That's it. <laughs> well, you you were speaking a common language, you know, yeah. The art, the art, the art people understand it. You know, if you mm-hmm. you're able to draw it or or like you said, do it in three D and communicate that, and that's that's the bottom line. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I love it. You know, that's why I I love you know art has its ups and downs. Uh, uh, for me, I'm one of those artists that I'm probably the the, the most hardest on my own of work. <laughs> I, I really like the self critique. I'm like, I tell people like, sometimes I say, well, maybe that's why I am who I am because I'm such a, a stickler for my own art. And sometimes if I'm supervising, I might go in and, and be a little stickler, but it's more to help. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of people who like, 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 like what's good about working with Bruce Smith is that he, he has the eye, he has that eye. He knows what he wants. Mm-hmm. And, I actually worked with uh, Lauren uh, Faust as well from, you know, My Little Pony. They and other and other people, they what's great about them is that they have an eye and they know what they want. And 
when they are supervising or directing, it, they're, they're like a teacher. So you, for me, I grow and I learn more as an artist because I understand like, it's not like, oh, just make it blue because I said make it blue. No, they'll say make it blue and then they'll let you know why mm -hmm. it needs to be blue. So now you're understanding, it's kind of like, oh, okay, now I understand why that has to be blue or why this has to look this way. So yeah. that when you're working on other jobs or you know, once you're done working with them and you're doing your own thing or whatever, you can apply a certain knowledge that you learn from working under those those type of directors to your own stuff. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love working with like directors and people like that because again, you know, I'm a sponge. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to 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 you know absorb everything. And then I like to, you know, even like I said, when I when I'm over or if I'm directing or supervising, I I I tend to go that route to 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 make everyone you know understand. Um, yeah. I always said, as you know, this by working with a team, you're only as good as your team. Yeah, you could you you can have all that freaking artistic skill. You could be a super bad artist, and you can have all this stuff. But if your team <laughs> doesn't possess that same quality, and you all working on the same project, you know it's only going to go so far. So someone needs to come in, you know, to be the coach and to encourage and to you know, like like I always say, it's like people a lot of times artists have the skill. They have the skill. They just need that coach. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, coach may not be a Michael Jordan, but the coach may be able to tap into someone who is, a, who has the potential of being Michael Jordan to uh, unlock that, yeah. that, that, that talent. And that's how I look at it. It's like, you know, you get a group of people, you know, a lot of times you're hired because you're capable. You, you, it's not, you know, they're not going to hire you if you can't do the job. And so sometimes, you know, even myself, you know, you get this, well, I don't know, I don't know what to do. But then you have those people, like I said, like Bruce Smith and, you know, Lauren and all these other people. And even I work with Craig Kilman. He's sort of, he's the same way. It's like when you have, uh, and the common denominator is that they also are really good at drawing. You know, that's mm -hmm. like they draw and they, they communicate well, then they direct well. But if you have all those people uh, 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 in your corner and they're able to push you, that's why their work looks so good. That's why the yeah. stuff is amazing is because it's not a me game. It's a we game. It's, it's right. a team game. It's like, you know what? Hey, if this player, you know, if you're on a basketball team and, and the fifth man is, is messing up, you're not going to be like, oh, okay, well, we're all better than you. And we're just going to do our – no, you're, to, to win the game, you're going to be like, hey, you're going to do whatever you have to do to get all team members up mm -hmm. to speed. So that you know you can win the game and that's how i look at it as far as art and animation especially animation you know it's it's impossible to, to like really have crazy eagles in animation mm -hmm. um so you have mentioned uh several stories so if you just want to kind of go back to those or if you want to mention something new but what what has been your biggest breakthrough in your career or have there been multiple breakthroughs uh, I would say, man, uh, there's multiple breakthroughs, but uh, uh, I was uh, the biggest breakthrough. Um, if, if you want to prefer to go to multiple, then you can do that. But yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, meeting meeting the people I mentioned, you know, meeting Ron Myrick, mm -hmm. uh, Larry Houston, uh, Bruce Smith. Uh, um, I, I, you know, I, did I meet right a bunch of names? Uh, uh, <laughs> Craig Kilman, Lauren Faust. Uh, I like Tari, Tari Dehilahe. He's my he's my man. Uh, mm -hmm. All these guys encourage me. Uh, uh, there's a guy that I work with a lot named Kyle Jolly, uh, who's mm -hmm. a producer. Uh, the, uh, 
Howard uh, Swartz, who's uh, I met him at Warner Brothers, but you know he's at well, uh, Marvel Animation is, is different now. It's like Marvel Studios, but at the time he was at Marvel Animation. Eric Radomski, uh, mm -hmm. Mar March Dean. Uh, man, there's there's so many people, and I know I'm forgetting some real good ones, but there are so many folks who um, just meeting the, these type of people and working with them um, take, have they take it's like working on the jobs or working with them take it takes me to a different another level mm -hmm. in my art career. So uh, those are breakthroughs. Uh, um, connecting and and meeting young artists, I think, are great too. You know. Um, because uh, I get encouraged by them and they get encouraged by me and folks email me out the blue and with questions and sometimes, you know, I, I'll answer and do things like that. And and just to see like this person get a job or that person, like when I'm looking at credits, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that person first started out. Now they're directing or, you know, yeah. or a lot of things that's been happening with me is that, you know, I've been seeing like creators properties become like sold to like HBO, you know, like those guys, Sanford, Sanford Green and the Brittle Root crew. It's like, man, man, I remember when he was working on that and now mm -hmm. it's going to be an HBO show or, you know, or another artist, you know, I see like, oh, their show got picked up by Netflix or this show got picked up by that. You know, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know, I'm, 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 I'm working on my own personal properties. But the thing with me is that I always keep putting mine on the shelf and working mm -hmm. on other stuff because I have so much other things going on. But I like the fact that now in this day and age, man, this is this is like a uh, some person said it's like a new uh, like uh, a, I don't know which age it is, golden or whatever, but it's yeah. sort of like a new age of animation where because there's so many outlets and so many yeah. people looking for stuff, like everyone wants their version of what the other studio has, and because of that, you know, more artists are given opportunities for work, and also creators are given more opportunities to like actually have their 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 creation greenlit and produced and you know be able to be on like a, a network or a streaming service so i think i think it's really great you know right now for artists because again back in the day um they did have a lot of work but then you know it's, there was so much stuff that you wouldn't i guess trying to create your own idea mm -hmm. uh, it was just like, you know, you get a job working on Disney, you're going to be working on Disney properties, Warner Brother properties and Hannah and Barbera properties. But now uh, with the other outlets, you can actually have your own idea, you know, even through us, uh, 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 we got crowdfunding. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if you don't go the route of pitching it to like people, you can still get your stuff out there and put on, put on YouTube or your own, you know, website. So, and I follow those things too. You know, there are a lot of like good YouTube uh, animators that yeah. have their series and it's just some of that stuff is just as good as stuff you watch on you know on the stream other streaming platforms yeah mm -hmm. um so uh this is like a quick thing that i saw on youtube how was your experience being on storage wars <laughs> oh you know that was that was that was a. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, well, long story short is that uh, the Storage Wars people contacted me. Um, originally, they wanted to get like uh, the original artists who worked on there. They were actually looking for like two of them, the main two artists who worked on Garbage Pail Kids. But one was one lived in New York and there was another one uh, uh, that lives out here, but he didn't want to do it. So mm -hmm. um, at, at first I was kind of like the middleman. And then ironically, they found out I lived 
lived, I lived near the storage unit that they found the place. So they're like, oh, wow, you're, you're, you're like less than an hour away from the storage unit. So uh, those guys don't want to help us anyway. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll just come with you. And um, the thing I tell people about reality TV is that it's, it's, it's obviously is unscripted, but um, the thing that I, it was my first time being mm-hmm. actually, actually my second time being on the reality show. The other time, my image wasn't there, but my art was there. There was a, a show called, um, what's it called? Trailer Park Makeover or something like that. And um, I had, they filmed me doing some artwork, but they, and they ended up cutting it and um, put up the artwork. But uh, on the Storage Wars, it was one of those things where they kind of let you know certain things are happening, but they don't, but, but they don't show you it until you're on camera. So mm-hmm. that, like for instance, if, I, if they're filming in the house and someone comes to my door, I'm not gonna go to the door because it's like, hey, I'm, 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 they're filming, you know? So I'm not gonna go, but so they'll say, no, if, if someone knocks at the door, we want you to go to the door because, you know, we want, it's, it's someone that you need to meet. <laughs> so, it's, so it's one of those things. It's like, it's like you know, they can't, they can't not tell, they, like they don't tell you things, but then they tell you little things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, working with them as well as like, you know, uh, uh, it was just surreal. Just, just one of those things. Like I never, I never imagined a thought that I would, that they, that I would be on something like that. And the experience was, uh, um, they were in my house for like three hours mm-hmm. and, uh, of, of shooting. And, you know, the, 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 the clip is, you know, they, they edit down a whole lot of footage, mm-hmm. so, but it was cool. It was cool. I thought it was great. You know, <laughs> Uh, how how are you able to move back and forth between various drawing styles? That oh, you know what? That's because my jobs were in commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, my first professional jobs were all commercial type type jobs where I worked at agencies where every job was a new style. You okay, know? and and and. The thing is, is that these agencies had like a roster of illustrators or animators that they worked with so that, you know, okay, we got this style, so we're going to call this person. Or or here's this style, we're going to call that person. And I was like, okay, well, if if I can do the style, then they won't have to call someone else to come in and then I will be out of work. It was one of those things. And then um, at some point, sometimes I became, when I was really younger, young in the industry is that I became that person where it's like, oh, we can't afford that top artist. Hey, listen, can you can you do this style? You know, and, and I did a lot of work like that where it's kind of like, oh, we want you to do Alex Ross style. We want you to do this this top artist style. You know, we don't want to pay them, but we but can you do the style? And a lot of times, you know, it was hit or miss, but it helped me to, you know, be able to to adapt to various styles. You know, that's all from commercial working in commercials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about your company, Gumboyo Animation, and what you're doing there? Yeah, that was the. Uh, that's where I. I um, what I mentioned, I'm working on my own personal IPs. That's what that is. Uh, Gumboyo is a uh, my own. It's not like an animation service company. That's just like my website and company where I'm developing my own IPs mm-hmm. to either pitch or produce my own self, you know, um, what's good about working in an industry is that you do meet people who know how to get stuff done and make things look great. So, um, 
you know, I'm knock on wood, that's I'm, I'm simultaneously doing that, you know, and like I said earlier, a lot of times I've unfortunately pushed that stuff back because I'm working on other major projects. But, you know, that's what that website is, is, is that I have lots of ideas that I've had for like, man, some some for decades and mm-hmm. uh, I write them out, jot them down and they get put play, put away. But now I'm starting to develop some of them. And uh, that's what that website is, is, is to to showcase those IPs and possibly, you know, once things get done, uh, they will have like you. Uh, if you go to the site, some of them I, I want to do crowdfunding for to, mm-hmm. to be able to produce. But but you know that's what that website is is to showcase my my IPs. Mm-hmm. Like, what is your inspiration for some of the characters like Rev Little and the cast of My Folks? And uh, <laughs> is it Daryl Harrell or I don't know how to pronounce that, but well, well, the the My Folks is definitely uh, based on me and like my family and people I've grown up with, you know, certain things like uh, if I'm out and around and I, you know, I'm from Detroit. So there, there's a lot of great people and interesting people that I thought would be great. It's like, you know, this, this, we have you from Detroit. It's like, you know, Detroit has its own flair, has its own. Yeah. Its own and, 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 and my thing is I wanted to, uh, uh, I always wanted to highlight that because I never saw it, you know, I never, yeah. I never saw that 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 style we have our own style we have our own flair we have in some instances we have our own lingo you know what up though you know it's 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 it's, it's native to to the city so right uh, my folks is is sort of a inspiration from growing up in detroit and Mm -hmm. growing up around great people and friends and family and you know other experiences as well um let's see uh i uh growing up too i used to love horror movies and Mm-hmm. And fantasy things like that, and so the the uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because I had a thought, but the uh, uh, <clears throat> Pastor Pat is that it's it's <laughs> it's a uh, exorcist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's a comical, uh, uh, maybe dark comedy type mm-hmm. thing of this pastor who's an exorcist, and the whole thing is about him and his adventures going on these supernatural adventures, you know, dealing with the supernatural, dealing with crazy craziness, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I thought that would be kind of cool and kind of funny, you know, if I had the right people in, in place. Cause I know they're, they're, they're like horror fans, horror comedy fans, sort of like, uh, was it Shaun of the Dead? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Where you have like, it's like you have the horror, but you have like comedy, but then it's like serious, a little bit seriousness attached mm-hmm. to it. That's what Pastor Pat's about. Uh, Daryl Harrell is is a uh, preschool show. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the name uh, I love Daryl Harrell because uh, uh, Harrell is actually uh, uh, a family name. You know, I have uh-huh. sisters uh, name uh, is Harrell, and I have family members last name is Harrell. Um, I loved it because of ri- originally I wanted to uh, to do a, a show about a black boy. Um, not saying that there are not a lot, but you know, I'm, I'm a black male, so I there are plenty of, of writers and plenty of female shows that I know can do better justice that I can. But mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do one, a preschool show that centered around a black kid, and mm-hmm. uh, the whole premise of that is that he's a uh, a problem solver. Um, the show would be more like I said, like more of like a, a PBS mm-hmm. Disney Junior type of series that where the main character. Uh, has he does have a other cast of characters, but they go on problem problem solving missions that help develop mm-hmm. like you know like it will teach kids how to solve problems, how to court, how to come together, and like uh, if something is too big, 
how to come together and, you know, use your creative minds to figure out things. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things. I don't want to give away too much, but that's that's pretty much what that is. And uh, 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 that one there as well, you know, I, I'm developing that one. That one's actually uh, to the point where I can pitch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the pitch packet is ready, but I also want to do, uh, um, my thing is I also want to do like some animation because mm-hmm. a lot of the things, shows that I've seen that have that really go on fire is that they kind of have a taste of what you're going to get, you know, and that's yeah. what I'm, I actually want to do that with all of them if I could, is mm-hmm. that I want to have like the premise, the pitch packet, and if I do crowdfunding, you get a taste of, hey, this is, if you support it, this is, this is how the final product is going to look, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I have other, you know, other shows that I need to, you know, develop as well. Uh, but those, those are the main three that I have on the site now. And, um, eventually I will, you know, have more, uh, <laughs> once, once I, you know, I'm done with this, the other big studio stuff. Yeah. Something I like about the idea of like people of color coming up with stuff, particularly like when I, I thought about, you know, the, um, Pastor Pat thing where uh, there's, a uh, comedian um and youtuber that i follow where him and his friend at the time were trying to pitch something and the joke was because he's like a comedian and he started off as like a church comedian kind of yeah. but um he he was saying that their skit was going to have a guy fall on the ground and they put like the white sheet over and then but the white people didn't understand why that was funny because they only they usually put the white sheet over women because of their skirts <laughs> and so the idea of like the cultural difference possibly being thrown in there. I like the idea of people of color and people from different backgrounds, like creating things so that there's maybe a chance of like, Oh yeah. (laughs) If you go to church, if you go to a black church, you know that. It's it's like you were saying, it's one of those things. That's why, that's why, you know, you hear the same diversity and whatever, but Mm -hmm. those things are great. It's like you, you know, like I said, it's, you know, I, there's the things that you can write as a woman or bring to the table as a woman that I can never bring because you are a woman, you know, and then as a black woman, there are certain, certain, you know, uh, nuances that you could bring that I would be never be able to bring, you know, and, and, and I think having people, even if, you know, even if it, the show is something else, but having various sorts of people to the table, then you, like you say, it could be more authentic, more real, more, yeah. more, less, less stereotypical, because mm-hmm. you have people who are actually lived it or who are, you know, or so familiar with it that they can say, oh, no, no, don't do that. That, you know, that's not what the culture does <laughs> or do this. You know, this is this would be the culture actually find that funny and not offensive or, or right. no, the culture find that offensive and not funny. You mm-hmm. need the voices and those hands in there so that the finished product can have such, such an authenticity to it that uh, it will reach its target audience, you know. Um, I believe in targeting already audiences, but then also, you know, me growing up, I've been attracted to things that weren't targeted towards me, you know, and, and just, I guess, Blacks as a culture, you know, even the fashion, like Timberland and mm-hmm. uh, was Tommy Hilfiger, you know, those things weren't technically marketed towards us, but then, you know, we get it and flip it and yeah. make it something totally different. So mm-hmm. I believe the same can be with us. It's like, we can do something for ourselves and it can also possibly, you know, go cross over to other people. Because again, you know, I think if something is good and of quality, mm-hmm. then it will attract, you know, it will attract anybody to it. But but like you're saying, it's like the those nuances were, you know, 
yeah, those things need to be put in there. Mm -hmm. um, so how how have you used your various positions to insert more diversity into product into projects? So I saw some of your Hollywood zombie um, trading cards you did, and a lot of the celebrities chosen were black. So um, do well, you, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Do you yeah. like do that on purpose or like? Eh. Well, 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 unfortunately for that one, I just had a list. <laughs> I had okay. I had no no creative input in that one. That was just they I, they gave me a list of people to do, and you know I did them. But mm -hmm. on some shows, uh, uh, if I'm directing, you know I've able I've been able to on some occasions. I would say many yeah many occasions to to put in a good work for like some of my art friends who who are good, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm just, you know, oh, here's this cronyism that you're bringing in your friends who are not quite, no, it's like, no. Um, a lot of times uh, directors get these jobs and then sometimes the studios will be like, hey, you know, do you have a crew that you work with or do you have a particular person that you think might be pretty good for this fit, you know, for this job? And sometimes, you know, if I if 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 that's presented to me, it's not you know, all the times that doesn't happen. But if it is, if it does happen, you know, I will say, hey, you know, here's this guy here. He's really good at doing this particular A, B, C, D, E. And I've I've been able to bring in, you know, a few of a few people that I know who are really good. You know, that's why I say I emphasize not it's just not I'm bringing in people because I'm cool with them. No, they they're really good. And sometimes, you know, maybe their way just like what ron did with me it's kind of like you know they maybe going through the front door didn't work you know maybe i don't know maybe the wrong person saw their work or didn't see their work or whatever but um sometimes if that happens i, I like to bring in the right person for the right job you know and then a lot of times people who i know um i know you know who, are, who i work with you, you kind of get to know their work ethic and you get to know uh, what they do now, I'm still growing. I'm still learning, mm -hmm. and so it's not like that would be like every job. But there are some jobs where you're like, oh yeah, this this guy, this person I know, that that person would be a perfect fit for this because that's all they do that stuff in their sleep. But the mm -hmm. studio doesn't know them, and so right. I might be. But again, you know, I can't. I don't have the the power to hire anybody. Eventually, mm -hmm. the artist that I recommend has to show <laughs> that they're capable of doing the work. But you know, I try to use. A position like that, you know, to, to to possibly bring in, like you said, bring in a different voice or whatever that 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 possibly might not be able to have that space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you create a lot of drawings based on current events, whether it's someone who's recently passed or some something like the inauguration. So um, you kind of went through it with your with explaining that you worked in commercial work, but what skills? can you suggest that other people hone so that like you can literally you can literally draw things at will so like how, how can other artists hone those skills what what tips can you give them to do that well I'm, i'll give i'll give the well the tip that i had growing up was that like i'm giving old school disney tip like back in the day disney used to say that if you can draw the human figure you can draw anything like if you knew if you can understand human and animal anatomy and just if you're just really good at understanding life drawing in general, you know, um, it's it's easy to exaggerate what you know. So it's like if I know how to draw a human face and I understand how, the you know, the, the body and all the the bones and muscles work on the human figure, 
-hmm. and I can, I can draw realistically, I can draw that realistically then to, to, to caricaturize it or to exaggerate it or to, or to make a cartoon version of it uh, from the Disney old school, Disney perspective, they were like, well, it's easier to learn that versus you only knowing how to draw a cartoon mm -hmm. or draw a certain style. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, how do you take all that? How do you take that style? And then now I want you need to draw that in this style. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes some people can do it. Some people are able to like, not necessarily uh, draw the human anatomy realistically. Some people are able to just adapt styles and they, they can just flow like that. But um from my from my perspective, I think the reason why I'm able to adapt to various styles is because I have certain foundations and mm -hmm. just natural figure drawing, animal drawing, anatomy. Uh, I still need to brush up on my uh, <laughs> on my uh, environments, you know. But I'm still learning. You know, growing up, that was my main forte was for figures. You know, where humans, yeah. and animals, or creatures, and things like that. Um, but that's one thing I can give to them. And another thing is to um, um, that helped me with drawing various styles is that if I'm working on a project where that has a style that I'm not familiar with, uh, one of the things that I literally do before I start like branching out, drawing it on my own is that I will take the model sheet <clears throat> and just trace it. Like I'll mm -hmm. take and just trace it, trace it. And for me, it's like, it's not like I'm drawing it for the, for the job. I'm drawing it to just understand all the shapes and everything involved in the character. So I would trace it, <clears throat> excuse me. And then once I'm done tracing it, I'll take that same drawing and then I would draw it without tracing it based mm -hmm. upon learned by tracing it. And mm -hmm. then once I'm done tracing it, I mean, once I'm done drawing it without tracing it, I will put my drawing on top of the drawing on the model sheet and mm -hmm. see, how, see how close I got to it. And if there were any imperfections and things like that, then I would like take mental note to say, oh, okay, well, the hair is shorter than, mm -hmm. than how I drew it, or that eye is a little bit bigger than how I drew it. And those that's that's what helps me to uh to understand how to develop how how the style works, you know. Like back in the day, and they st we still do it, but a lot of times we had style. Uh, how to like style guides, you know, you'll, you'll have a, a basic model sheet too, but then you'll have like a bunch of different uh, sheets saying, this is how you draw the hand. This is how you draw the eyes. And they will literally draw those things so that you will understand why that hand needs to be drawn this way or why the hair needs to look this way. Um, some jobs don't have that and some jobs do. And mm -hmm. I know of times because you know everything is rush 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 you got to get everything done so possibly that could be a reason but when i do that tracing and then i do my drawing and i put my drawing on top that's me trying to draw my own uh model sheet of how to model sheet how to make things look like mm -hmm. the character and look on model um and then a lot of times too you know you have a good supervisor and director on the job or or if you're not on the job, you just show it to another artist, you know, they ask mm -hmm. to critique it. But for me, it's like when you have that person who does know and understand the style and they're looking at your stuff and they're giving you notes, that's another way to help you, you know, home, you know, focus and get the style right. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest those two things, you know, learning, uh, understanding like the foundations of, of, of basic life drawing. Uh, go out and, you know, keep a sketchbook and do what we used to call a cafe drawing when you're observing life and 
Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, I don't know how we how it is now, but we used to go to the mall, go to the zoo. We have our sketchbooks, and we'll just draw people sitting down, or you know, mm-hmm. folks doing things. And it's more like a visual diary, so that when we're animating or drawing special poses or coming up with ideas, you know, you can go back and look at your your sketchbook or to go in your visual you know, memory files to gather that information that you got while doing your cafe drawing. So mm-hmm. so those are things like that. And don't be afraid to show to artists. Um, I remember I reached out to, I reached out to a few artists who I didn't even know. You know, I just literally emailed them. And uh, people do that with me too. I, I literally emailed them and asked them like certain art questions. Sometimes I get responses, sometimes I didn't get responses. But the worst thing that can happen is that, you know, you don't get a response or they say no. The best thing that can happen is that you actually get a response mm-hmm. and someone with some industry knowledge or experience can give you some wisdom or some, you know, some understanding of how they approach things in art. So I really love how this is set up. You know, I really like how they're good artists. You know, they're good artists who want to spread knowledge, spread the wealth, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um, as someone who has some years in the animation industry, what have you decided is your purpose in regards to like, you know, building up other black professionals in animation? Well, I think, uh, well now, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly but surely just focusing on being more create on the creator side versus the, the uh, you know, just working at the studio side. But mm-hmm. a lot of things that I try to do, I, like, I, you know, um, I do a lot of things and I'm not going to name names because they don't know, but mm-hmm. I've referred many, many uh, artists, black artists and directors to people, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, and it's not like uh, a thing where I am a, a, a nepotism type thing. It's kind of like I'm working on a project. Somebody contacts me through email, say, hey, we're looking for an artist to do A, B, C, D, E. And I'll say, well, you know, I'm not available. Here are a few people that I recommend. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I don't know if they got the jobs from recommendations, but I've done that. I've done that since I've been in mm-hmm. industry. You know, it's like I've recommend people all the time without me telling them, hey, you know, I, I recommend you for a job. So if they call you, it was me who did. I, I anonymous, anonymously done that with artists and some artists, you know, some artists uh, I don't even have like a relationship with. I just like their work and things like that. Uh, Cause people have done it with me. You know, I've been yeah. referred to like folks I have no relationship with. They just like my art and they're like, oh, uh, someone referred you and said that you might be a good fit, you know, and, and that's how it worked out. So I've done that a lot many times. And then I've also supported like Kickstarter campaigns uh, I, I've supported many Kickstarter campaigns of like people who uh, want to do things. And um, also just uh, like you were saying with the uh, <laughs> with the black and animated page, every time I see a job, I'm, I'm literally posting it mm-hmm. all the time, you know. So uh, I, I, I do it through like just personal emails, through like supporting artists, through their like crowdfunding and also providing um uh, links to job positions so that, you know, if people want to work at studios, uh, they have like, they can't say, oh man, I, I don't know where to go, you know, cause these yeah. studios are posting work every, I'd say every week or every, at least every other week, I see a job posting at a, at a studio. So yeah. I try to 
like reshare and post and let people know, hey, you know, this studio is hiring for character designers and or they're looking for storyboard artists if you're ready, you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience with um, Garbage Pail Kids? I know they're that's like huge in some circles and some people might know your name because of that. Yeah, yeah, that one right there. I I, um, I started working on Garbage Pail Kids in uh, 2005. Um, uh, I'll tell the story of this. All my story, I, I just want, I tell, I'm telling these stories because people who like, if you submit at studios or companies and you either get rejections or you don't hear back from them, I share these stories to let you know a lot of work that I got was like through the back door, through the side yeah. door, not, not necessarily through the front door. But um, long story short, I was working on a project with the Wayans brothers mm -hmm. and they or at Comic-Con doing a site. Well, I was working on a, on a book with them okay. and they had did some work with Tops. They had, they had a trading card series, I think called The Dozens. And they were doing they were doing a signing at the uh, Tops company booth. Tops company makes Garbage Pail Kids. And they were okay. doing a, a, a signing at the Tops booth. Um, and they were also had a panel discussion about um, their films and um, so uh, my, my nephew was at Comic-Con and he wanted to meet the Wayans. And I was like, oh, I can introduce you to him. And uh, what happened is that the Wayans brothers, their panel discussion went, went way over. So they were not able to make it to the Tops booth. And I had been waiting at the Tops booth for like a long time, you know, just waiting. And, you know, while I was there, I was talking to like some of the people at the booth. And I didn't know at the time, like two of their art directors were there. <laughs> and, and so and so we're like, they were like, oh, we just one of the guys was like, oh, we just got work. One of the guys, Jeff Zapata and uh, Ira Friedman, I think was the other guy that was there. John Williams. And so uh, uh, Jeff Zapata, who was the art director at the time, says, hey, you know, you've been waiting here all this time. And I had my portfolio on me. He's like, is that your portfolio? You, you, you should at least show us your portfolio since you, you know, waited here all this time for the Wayne Brothers. So I was like, OK. And I showed them a portfolio and uh, I had a lot. I didn't have Garbage Pail Kids stuff in there, but I had like um, I had like uh, I did some caricatures. I had like caricature, like real like painted caricatures. And he goes, are those painted or are those digital? I said, no, they're traditionally painted. And he was an art director that I really liked because some art directors, they only they only like some art directors, if you if you have a style that they're looking for, then they can recognize, oh, yeah, he can do it. And then other, there are other art directors that can look at a person's portfolio and they may not necessarily have the style of this show or whatever they're doing, but they can look at something there and say, oh, if they, if, oh, yeah, they can do that. They can do this. And right. that was those things. He was like, oh, it, well, if you can paint traditionally like that on those caricatures, I, I know you can do this type stuff. So um, that's how I got connected with them. Uh, it was one of those things, and uh, they presented it as a test. They were like, "Hey, you know, we're looking for artists to do to work on Garbage Pail Kids." Um, um, the cool thing is, is that uh, it, what we're going to give you is a win-win situation. They're like, "Hey, we'll we'll give you a paid test to to to, to see if you're able to do it. Um, if the card, if you're able to do it, and the card looks good, we publish it." And if you don't, you know, if, if it doesn't look good, you know, we'll still pay you for the test. But, you know, we, you, 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 you're not going to get the job. So that's how I got started. Now, after Comic-Con, um, they sent me like uh, my first painting to do, which was a test. Mm -hmm. And the, they liked the painting and the first painting ended up being a card. And, and from there, I've been, you know, working with them since. 
Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I found out, like you were saying, there's a huge fan base. I didn't know. You know, I grew up seeing Garbage Pail Kids, and as mm-hmm. a kid, and I, I knew, I knew about them. I was actually a fan too, but I didn't, I didn't know that, like in the 2000s, that they were still like huge fan base. I just thought that okay, well, it was just something more of a. Uh, uh, you know, nostalgic '80s thing, and not anything that people are doing now. But yeah, that thing is huge. Uh, huge, literally all over the world. When I started working on the series, I I got contacted, contacted, and emails from literally people from all over the world who wanted me to do like sign cards or do commissions or you know sell artwork. It's it's, it's and they're good. You know, it's that fan base too. There's like a. Um, they're they're tightly connected as well. It's like when you go on the forums, you you notice that everyone, all the same people are on the same forums. You know, and mm-hmm. a lot of friends, and I've actually become friends with uh, some of the the garbage pail kid collectors as well. So, mm-hmm. just like the animation industry, that 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 that, that fan base is it's you no, know, it's huge. But then there's also like they're also connected as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um... What what do you hope for the future of animation as far as innovation, storyline, and characters? Well, I like, you know, I like the narrative that's going on now, which it's always been there, but but I think now because of different outlets and streaming services, more people are getting it, is that animation is not necessarily for kids in the U.S. You know, you know outside the U.S., people know that, but for some reason... Yeah. You know, if you say you do animation, everyone thinks you're doing things for kids. Now, you can be doing things for kids, but I like it's like anything else. It's just a, a genre. It's a medium. It's a form that can be translated for preschoolers, you know, uh, tweens, teens, adults, you know. Uh, and and, and I, I hope that moving forward that, you know, certain styles and trends don't become the lock in. It's kind of like. Yeah creativity becomes the lock-in it's it's and i'm starting to see it you know netflix uh, netflix has shows you see like they're the shows that they're doing the styles are different the content's different you know they're doing things for kids and the preschoolers and there they have adult shows mm-hmm. um you know of course disney you know they're kind of they have their target audience so they can't go too crazy but uh, overall in the animation industry it would be great and i think it's going that way i really do is that we have the medium and the medium can be used for wherever the creators do it for, you know? Yeah. And, and there's, there's no standard style that represents animation. There's no standard story. It's like anything else, just like you don't say a movie, a live action movie, you know, live action movie has its genres, you know, it has yeah. its section, the sci-fi, the comedy, you know, it's all these various forms of live action movies that, you know, I think now animation in, in the U.S. and I specifically say U.S. because you know we know uh, yeah. studios outside the U.S. You know, they they they've already learned that <laughs> they're, they're already you know they already do full move adult movies that are like animated. So yeah, I'm I'm really hopeful uh, because of like like I said because there's so many platforms for that to be spread about and people have so much access so that. You know, they can they can like that fan base can connect with mm-hmm. where that genre is. And the studios are seeing it. You know, it's, you mm-hmm. know, these, there are people doing these things on their own. And it's like, wow, this person's on YouTube and has wow, they have millions of followers 
and our fans, they're seeing it. And, 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 and that's the cool thing. It's that, you know, we as creators, we have the power to kind of dictate, you know, how they say life yeah. imitating art or art imitating life. Mm -hmm. I think as creators and the platforms we have, we can do certain things. And if there's a fan base for it, Steve Studio see it. You know, you you see, you know, I'm not going to name things, but you you you've seen it before where something takes off and becomes big and it, it it becomes organically becomes big because there's a fan base and then a big studio comes in and wants to cash in or or yeah. wants to, you know, hey hey, we want to do our version of it or they actually buy the product and now they own it or they're promoting it. So mm -hmm. that's where I see animation going. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I hope, you know, I, I think there there's so many, like you're saying, you know, more voices, more, more, more hands, more, more, more people having their place uh, and telling their story. I think that's that's just what's going to happen. It's just going to be, wow, all these various sources and various animations that we all can choose from. So uh, my last question, if someone was producing a documentary about you, what things would you want them to highlight about your life outside of art and animation? Oh wow! Uh, well, uh, I I I am a, a spiritual guy. I love you know. I believe in God. I believe in divine intervention and things that are not coincidence. Uh, also, uh, I I believe in uh, uh, giving, sharing the wealth. As as uh, actually an animator, director, producer, uh, Frank Molieri. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing Frank's last name right. He's a good friend. But he said the same thing. I used to stay, and I would say it's real quick. I used to have to work late nights. At Klasky Chupo commercial, okay. a lot. I used to do that a lot when I was young because a lot of times I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to do. So I would stay after work to try to figure it out. And Frank saw me standing there, and he just saw, hey, he was like, hey, why you, why how come you're not going home? It's like, oh, I'm just trying to figure out this. And you know, he worked at Don Bluth, all these big studios, and so he kind of just started showing me some insider stuff. Mm -hmm. And but he said before, but she said before I start, before I tell you some of the stuff, and I said I only require you to do one thing. And I was like, I was like, I was like, what? He's like, share the wealth. He's like, he, he mentioned, he's like, you know, a 2D animation at that time. He's like, 2D animation is a dying, it's dying out. You know, no one's really doing this style of stuff. So in order for it to breathe and live, we have to, we, you know, all the information has to be continued to be shared with other artists so that it doesn't die out. And so um, I would like that to be known with me. It's like, I was the type of person that, you know, if you came and talked with me, I didn't hold things in, you know, I was yeah. able to share and, and uh, uh, be able to be a help to someone else. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. That's, Anything else in your documentary? Uh, well, just say that I was a good person, a good man, and hopefully contribute something that was worthwhile, you know, mm -hmm. good husband, good, whatever, you know, whatever it is, that's <laughs> all good. <laughs> so where can people find you on social? on the social medias and the interwebs? <laughs> uh, well, I do. Uh, well, I have to spell it out because my website is my last name, but um, my main yeah, website. I'll have it in the description as well. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I am. I, I have a Facebook page, uh, Instagram. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, if you put all that stuff in the link, I have like on the website, I have links to all that stuff, Twitter. Uh, it's, it's usually my name. It's uh, Laren mm -hmm. Um the, the Instagram is Laren dot Dijonet. and the uh the <laughs> it's funny the twitter is my name too but my name my last name was so long that i wasn't able to add the e so it's uh -huh. larry Dijarnet without the e at the end uh -huh. um, and then since you're adding the web web stuff uh like i said i have i do have like my my 
my uh, portfolio website for the studios, and then they have the other website, which is me trying to do the my own personal IPs. So mm -hmm. that will be down in the links. Stuff yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. All right. So I would like to thank you for coming on my platform and allowing me to highlight you. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate the invite. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, there are some things that were said and done that will help other people. You know, uh, my main thing is that the industry, yeah, it is hard to get in. But then sometimes if you can't get in the front door, you got to try the side and back door. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's usually what happened with me. You know, it was always yeah. something that I connected with who knew that I was, you know, wanted to do certain things. And again, it's not about you have to be talented. You know, bottom line is it's you have to be able to deliver. This is the only field where you can't you can't fake it. <laughs> People say you can't, can't fake the funk. It's like you're going to be placed in situations where you're going to have to like really deliver. And mm -hmm. you don't want to waste that. You know, you don't want to get into have an opportunity where you're working at a big studio and you have a gift to gab to get you in the door, but then when it's time to deliver, you don't have the skill level. Right. So it's always best to really make sure your craft and your skills are together and it will happen. I think if you're good and you're persistent and you connect with the right people, that it will happen. And even if it doesn't happen, hey, you got crowdsourcing and you just do it yourself, you know, things things can happen. I'm always optimistic though. Yeah. I think if you're passionate enough uh, and, and, and you follow whatever path that you need to go on, the, at the very end, all things will work out for your good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to everyone out there, I want you to like, so I know it's real. Comment and tell me how you feel. Subscribe to Citadel and sign up for post notifications to show your zeal. And I'll see you in the next video. Peace. Peace. Bye. <laughs>